0: All right, we're live. Hello, Gemma.
1: Hi, Duke. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor.
0: No, well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. How's your day going so far?
1: Um, you know, it's been very, very busy. I juggle a lot, so I had to kind of work this in and, and make it happen. But I'm here and I'm praising the Lord. And you know, there's always warfare, there's always obstacles, but you just keep overcoming and press through and then when you do it and make it happen and god blesses it there's just an excitement and a joy so praise the lord
0: well i super appreciate it for real so thank you so much again just thanks for your time thanks for being here i'm excited for our conversation and what we're going to get into hearing a little bit about um, your life and ministry and what god is doing Uh, What if Just before we jump into it, anybody that just maybe might not be familiar with who you are, let me just give a little bit of an intro here. So Gemma is a pastor and evangelist impacting the nations through television, radio, preaching, teaching, music. Uh, She's been ministering really since she was a little girl and uh, in the areas of street evangelism, homeless ministry, prison ministry, all kinds of stuff. The list just goes on and on. She has her own production company. Where she produces two of her own television shows, Gemma Winger's Hollywood and Beauty for Ashes. She recently received four nominations at the International Christian Film and Music Festival, and uh, really just ministers all around the world. And her television shows have been aired in uh, 65 plus countries. Right, so a lot, a lot going on, a lot to talk about. Uh, It's just super awesome and um, really just a really cool story that you have, Gemma. So. Again, I'm I'm excited that you're here. So, um, yeah, let's. Uh, if we if we could, I'd love to just sort of start off by hearing a little bit about um, your early years. So, from my understanding, is that you've been basically um, just ministering to people ever since you were like a a kid, right? Ever like since born. you were born. I like
1: born. <laughs>
0: <Since> <laughs> born. <laughs> How did that happen?
1: Um, I remember so many times that I would go to church and people would say, oh, I got saved when I was such and such years old, and or this happened or that happened. And all I remember is being like saved all my life. And finally, I asked God, I said, God, when was I saved? Because I couldn't remember. And then all of a sudden, he reminded me supernaturally of one day when my dad, my sister, and I were all on the master bed hanging out. And my dad said to me, do you want to accept Jesus in your heart? And literally, I was like three or four years old. And he said, if you ask Jesus in your heart, you're going to get lots of presents and gifts. And so he told me about Jesus. And I said, yeah, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. So like I said, I was like three or four. And then I asked Jesus in my heart. And then I remember saying, well, where are the presents? And he said, the presents are coming. The presents are coming. And that's when I know that I first asked Jesus in my heart, but it's kind of a revelation that after that, The presents do come, the blessings, the gifts, the favor, doors open that you could not open. God sets things up that you could not do on your own. So then my dad, he was a godly man. He was going to be a Catholic priest, but that didn't work out for him. So I'm very grateful or else I would not be here. But um when I was you know very young he was always going into juvenile hall and he was ministering to the youths in jail and he would come home and he would tell me about these guys and, and their stories and some were just so sad and heart-wrenching, and then he would say, But I prayed for them and I ministered the word of God to them, and one-on-one, they're just nice people, they're nice kids, and I knew that God could change their lives. So at a very very, very young age, I just had a desire to minister the word of God that I wanted to go in the prisons. I wanted to go in the jails. I wanted to tell people about Jesus. And so um, in fifth grade, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at a Pentecostal church. I was going to mass every single day from fifth grade To 12th grade, but then I was also going to these Catholic charismatic prayer meetings as well as these Pentecostal meetings. So I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and with the evidence of praying in tongues and prophecy. And I remember going to my fifth grade class. I went to St. Paul the Apostle parochial school in Westwood and I told them about getting baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted all of them. To get baptized and to come with me to church. And so I told them all. I was a little disappointed that, like, not one person came with me to church, but it's okay. It's okay. And, but I came and, I was the one who God wanted to be there. My sister and I and my dad. So just continued uh, to learn about the Lord. Then at 17, a minister named Mel Novak invited me down to the Los Angeles Mission to sing. So I sang. And um, also I was involved in, it's called the Southern California Motion Picture Council. So my mom was president and she would give awards to morally good movies and television shows and actors and actresses. So she just had um, all the biggest names there, and we would pray over them and lay hands over them and give them an award. And and then for a while I was a chaplain, so I would say the prayer. And um, it was all kind of focusing in on Hollywood and bringing Hollywood to the Lord. And um, so then basically at 21, I started out in the prisons Uh, Because that's when um, you were old enough to minister in the prisons, that you couldn't go there before that. And I think everything kind of catapulted from there. It was the prisons, then it was Salvation Army for 25 years, you know, three times a month. I was trying to get in the prisons like four times a week. I just had such a desire, such a hunger. But I think too, is that I had a difficult childhood in that my mom, oh, I think. Through certain situations, she opened herself up to the world. So there was a lot of persecution, a lot of persecution of the things of God. Like, why are you going in the prison? You need to be around people who can help you. Um, Just a lot of, um, at the same time, she was very focused on her life. She had um, produced a television show, the Bee Buyer Show and cooking around the world. It was syndicated in 13 cities. We would go up to vote in our neighborhood and they would recognize her and everything like that. So she always had a background in television. And I started out in television as well, basically around nine years old. I was doing commercials, uh, McDonald's, Nestle's, 7-Up, um, General Hospital Hannah barberas Heidi uh, play called In Rehearsal just to name a few yeah. and so um, I remember being on my mom's set it, she uh, filmed at KCOP Channel 13 and right across the street they were filming Romper Room which was a big kids show at the time so they wanted me to be on it and I just wasn't going to be on it. I actually remember do, that show. <laughs> do you, do you Yeah, I do. <laughs> you look awfully young, so I don't know. But anyway, so I had the opportunity to be on it. And they were like, you know, you got to make your decision now. And my sister didn't really like the television stuff. So she said, no, she didn't want to be on it. So I wanted to be with my sister. So I said, no, no, I won't do it without my sister. So anyway, though, the acting bug is always in my blood. I was always going on interviews and things like that. So, um, kind of a little bit fast forward. So we're doing the Salvation Army, we're doing the prison ministry, then we're doing, you know, men's prisons and women's prisons. And, and then from there, I was asked to speak in a lot of churches, uh, full gospel businessmen's fellowship, um, I ministered at the Hollywood Bowl Easter Sunrise Service when I was 26 years old. And that was the first time somebody asked me for my autograph because they had like a little bulletin in everybody's picture. And somebody wanted my autograph and I nearly like went into shock like me. You know, you don't want my autograph. There's all these other people there. But I just really felt special and, and kind of got a kick out of it. Um, but then I really um decided I wanted to get out of the secular acting. Um, At that time, there wasn't really this like Disney Channel. There there weren't all these really kind of wholesome secular shows that there are today. And when you turn into a teenager, you get other storylines that are just like immoral. And I did not want to influence anyone to do anything negative. And God gave me my gifts and my talents. I wanted to put him first, no matter what the cost, no matter what the price. So that's when um, I went to UCLA, I graduated from UCLA. But it was so funny for the first two years, I had no idea what my major was going to be. And Mm -hmm. I was all over the place. So I was taking all these production courses and I was so grateful that I was taught what a good camera shot is, that everybody has these super, super big camera shots. You know, you've got the sky, you've got their feet, you've got the cement. No, you, you know, you need like a tight shot, a shoulder shot, a waist shot, everything like that. Even nowadays, it's like they cut off half the forehead and the camera's moving all over the place. But again, I learned about production. So from there, I decided I wanted to create my own show. And they had something called public access, it was the Mm -hmm. cable companies had to give back to the community for putting all these lines through everybody's yard and putting up all these poles, and they were benefiting financially. So they had to give back. So they offered everybody a studio and a channel. So I I had just this hunger and desire to just make shows and interview and, and sing. And um, I did, I was kind of like a television show making machine, you know, I was just really driven because I wanted to save the world and I wanted everybody to know about God.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you, you kind of just answered my question. I I was going to ask you, so do you think that you had such a hunger and desire and passion to, get into, you know, that world and the production and the television and all that? Was it um, because you wanted to impact people for Christ? Or was it did it did that evolve over time? Like, did it kind of start out as you just having a love and an affinity for the acting and television and stuff like that? Or was there always sort of that motivation in your heart for wanting to uh, impact people with the love of Christ?
1: I have always had just a pure love for God. Just that was my motivation. Everything else was secondary, but I knew that my call was to spread the gospel through television, through production, um, through radio. I was on this one radio station, it was called KTYM for over 25 years. It was like Thursdays at 6.15 at 6.15 PM and it was just any door that God opened, I would walk through. And a very interesting thing was, was that even though my mom really persecuted the things of God, um, she grew up in kind of a Mennonite type household. And um, she fell away from the Lord when she got into Hollywood. But as I kind of grew in the ministry, she had an ability to kind of sell and open doors. So she was the one who went to this radio station and said, hey, I want my daughter to be on it. And she's the one who opened that door for me. She said, Gemma, you have to pay for it. But here, you know, I've done that for you. So I thought it was very interesting that same person who would persecute the things of god god also used to bless and use their talents to open doors for me um yeah i just i really ever since i would have those conversations with my dad i just really wanted people to know jesus and the funny mm. thing was was i would be asked to speak or sing and then i would uh, it would be over and i would say to myself gosh, I wonder if anybody noticed that I was the speaker or that I was the one up there ministering. I just felt like like I didn't want people to see me, but I wanted people to see Jesus. So it was all about Jesus and it was really nothing about me. So I can honestly say I just had such a pure heart. I didn't want to draw any attention to myself. And I remember a friend of mine, she's kind of worldly, but she said to herself, I just want to be famous. And I looked at her like, what? Like what, how is that a goal? How is that a desire?
0: Right, yeah. So in order, so for you to have that kind of a heart for people where you didn't have any desire yourself to be seen you wanted to be in this world but it was it was never about you it was never about your personal fame or glory or anything like that it was always really from this pure place of wanting to make jesus known and wanting to impact people and wanting people to know the love of christ that you knew so obviously that that was flowing from from you right that was flowing from your own revelation of who jesus was and obviously that's that impacted your life from such a, a young age do you remember any like early experiences in your life where you were um impacted by the love of christ where you just developed that intimacy with god um from even as a kid as a teenager you know through like your earlier years that really a lot like do you know i guess i'm wondering like do you know where that came from as far as be- because, in, in order for us to, I, I think it's the natural thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you. The it's the natural thing for us when we've been impacted by the love of Christ, our response should then be to tell others about what we've received. But so often, I think, as believers, I think that so many get just I don't know like, get comfortable where they are and maybe they haven't come to a deep enough revelation of the love of christ so that it actually like there's this desire where this needs to flow out of me this needs to get to somebody else i need to tell someone else about this i think that so often we can be complacent in our walk with the lord to the point that we don't want to tell anybody about him because whatever like or or it's just um It doesn't it doesn't happen. It doesn't it doesn't flow naturally. So seeing that this was such an something that you had been um, just so like this deep desire to impact others and to tell others about Jesus. I'm just wondering, like, do you know where that came from or was it always just something that was there because it was with you from such a young age that it was just always a part of you?
1: I do. I do. Um, I call myself a survivor. I think other people maybe had normal childhoods, but I had such a difficult childhood that I would not have made it without the power of God, that each and every day I had to cry out to God for strength, to help me to keep on going. Um, I would just, for example, you know, I love my mother and everything like that, but there was just demon. There was just this demon on her that never stopped yelling. So you're getting yelled at constantly for nothing, and it never ends and it never stops. Or um, you're the one who has to clean the in- entire house. You're the one who has to do the dishes. Like your mom is not doing that. Um, you know, I never knew that people were supposed to like holidays because my dad would come over, they were separated, and my mom would never stop yelling. So it wasn't like, you know, life was fun. Mm -hmm. And so, gosh, um, you, you had to pray. You needed the supernatural power of God to keep on going. I was always an A student. You know, I always excelled. That that's what was expected of me, you know. I was extremely good in sports, but nobody was coming to see me, you know, perform. Um, So, because I came from a place of neglect or lack, that's why I relied on God so heavily, and that I just wanted to tell people about God. And because of the wounds in my heart, I knew I needed healing. And I knew that God was the only one who could heal me. And so I sought God for that healing. Because when you are abused, you're, you're stripped of things that should be there. Um, you're stripped of your confidence. You're stripped of just that ability to get out there and be strong. So I was so afraid of being rejected. I wouldn't speak up. I wouldn't um, just reach out because of the fear, because of the pain. Like um, there was a point where I was selling these health food cookies and I would go to the health food store and I would say, hey, do you wanna buy my cookies? And they would say no. And I would walk out of there like hysterically crying because I was already wounded from my past that I took it so personally. So I knew that I was seeking God for an inner healing. I had Mm. this inner wound that people who have um, really great parents really don't have and they wouldn't understand. But God did heal me. God gave me such strength. I remember again, 26, on two separate occasions, I felt the Spirit of the Lord come into me and heal my heart and heal my wounds. I couldn't relate to those people who were very much, oh, your family and your house, because nothing in my life was normal. I wasn't normal. My family wasn't normal. Um, I remember somebody wanted to take me to the prom and I avoided that phone call because one, I knew my mom wasn't going to buy me a dress. And two, you know, the house wasn't in shape for someone to come over. So I, um, you know, I avoided that whole situation. So what other kids had, I didn't have, but I had God and I had my ministry and, you know, I had my talent. I was I was smart. I was athletic. And my dad was wonderful because another thing that he did, he was very disciplined. So, at a very young age, when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, he made us pray 15 minutes every day. So, I'm nine years old and we have to pray 15 minutes. So, it was ask, thank, love. Ask the Lord for some, read a scripture, ask the Lord for something, thank the Lord, and then tell him that you love him. And so even at that age, there was a battle going on. Like if I didn't do it in the morning, it was like, oh, no, I have to do my 15 minutes. Oh, did you do your 15 uh-huh. minutes? You know, and and it was just a battle. And if the days I didn't do the 15 minutes, it was just that condemnation. So again, even at that young age, I was learning about spiritual warfare, I was learning about prayer, and then it moved to an hour a day. And then we added like fasting to it. So it was the deep need for God. It was the praying consistently. And it was the fasting And it was just doing what God told me to do. He said, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice, uh, weep with those who weep. So I've always been happy. If somebody else was exalted, I would be happy when they got exalted. I was never jealous or competitive. But I think in the past few years, I've experienced a lot of different things from a lot of different people where they're not as happy for you as they should be. You know what I mean? But I always try to Mm -hmm. reward evil with good and be happy for them. But I hope that answers your question.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing. Um, And uh, wow, that's incredible. It's amazing that, you know, God is near to the brokenhearted. Um, He's close to us. You know, it's never his desire uh, for us to be in pain and to go through suffering. But when we do he's such a redeemer he's so faithful he's so close to us and we get that fellowship with him even in our sufferings and we identify with him and he identifies with us in suffering because he suffered for us you know he suffered in our place and so when we go through you know difficult things and challenges in our lives i think that often the response of of a lot of people can be to harden their heart and this and to and to build up walls that caused them to become desensitized to the Lord and desensitized to his voice. But you went the other direction and you said, God, my life is messed up. My life isn't you know, exactly what I would want it to be. And, and there's, there's pain here. There's hurt here. There's wounds here. There's internal things that need to be healed. So I'm not going to run from you. I'm going to run to you because you are the source of healing. You're my source of peace. You're my source of rest. You're my strength. You're everything that I need. Right. And so it's just awesome how God just transformed you and transformed your thinking and, and healed your heart and and everything that God did. Um, that's such a that's such a really cool testimony of the the power of God, the love of God, the grace of God, when we'll be willing to run toward him rather than closing ourselves off and running away from him. You know, I think we can blame I- God for stuff. Um, that's, that's not his fault, but especially when it comes to parental relationships, we can really tend to project those things onto God and to assume that God's not a loving father because, you know, someone on the earth hurt us or wounded us in some way. And, uh, I love hearing stories like yours where, um, you, the love of Christ, the love of the father was revealed to you in the midst of some of those challenges. So go
1: ahead. I think because I had a childlike heart, I was a child, and a child doesn't have a tendency to ask questions or harden their heart. They just accept it. And I accepted what God gave me, and I did what he said. I prayed for my mother. I blessed her. I I believed that God would save her and bring her into that closer walk with him. And one time I received a prophecy later in life, somebody said, your mother is going to help you. And my response was, my mother has only hurt me. How is she ever going to help me? And you know what? Later in life, God touched her heart. And she said, Gemma, I used to think church was boring, but now I really like it. God turned her heart around and she was stubborn. She was dominating. She was controlling. She was manipulative. You could not tell her anything. Anything that I did in the natural would not work if she did not want it to work. So everything was a miracle of God, even getting lunch money without getting yelled at, was a miracle from God. So God answered my prayer and he honored me that later in life she would come with me when I preached at churches, when I ministered, when I did television shows and radio shows, she would come with me. She would get blessed. She would, you would, all of a sudden she'd get like filled with the spirit and she'd be like going like this, you know, but you could see the anointing. You could see the power of God. God changed her heart. God touched her heart, but one, it was me forgiving her Two, It was me having faith and praying for her, but three, it was honestly humility You have to humble yourself. I trusted God. God allowed this in my life for a reason. You know, did I want it? No, but I didn't have a choice. This was all that I had. So I had to have a thankful heart. I had to have a grateful heart. And I really learned a lot about spiritual warfare because there was so much demonic oppression that I was dealing with a demonic spirit that I had to pray. I didn't have anything in the natural to rely on, like some people do. I got to tell you now, I'm in a good place. God has blessed me so much. God has healed me. God's put wonderful people in my life. I don't have anybody yelling at me. I'm just in a good place. And I can understand what you were talking about, where, um, you know, how do you keep that hunger? How do you keep that fervor? When I when it when i was in that desperate situation i was just hungry for god i had a great need even also due to all this emotional stuff going on i turned to food so i'll be honest mm. though my grandpa was overweight and my mom was overweight and i believe when i came out of the womb i just had a spirit that had a propensity to eat at six months old, uh, they had to put me on a diet and give me non-fat milk. Or if I didn't get fed, my mom said like I'd bang my head on the cement. And so wow. there was a spiritual stronghold of food, and then when all this emotional stuff happened, I would turn to food, turn to the refrigerator. One, I'm grateful my mom was into health food, so I wasn't eating junk, you know, soda, chocolate, cookies, chemicals, preservatives. I ate really healthfully, which I'm very grateful. I mean, my mom would call up my aunt in Kansas when I went to go visit, and say she better not be drinking any of that pop in those pop machines. And wow. so all of a sudden they had to just put a stop to that orange fanta soda that I just love so much. <laughs> but I was I was grateful because I I, um, you know, I wanted to be healthy. I remember walking back and forth in front of the pop machine, just staring at the orange Fanta soda. And my aunt Betty was just looking at me like, I'm so sorry. Your mom said you can't have it. And I mean, she was like, (laughs) her heart was breaking for me, you know? So, um, I, I felt too, there was a spiritual battle with the eating and, um, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. I remember Nancy Reagan had a slogan that was like, just say no to drugs. I was like, it's not just say no. You can't do it in the natural. You need the power of God. You need more of God. You need more of his spirit. There is a battle raging for your soul. And I mean, it was like, I would feel this pull. I remember going into the Catholic church and I was praying. I would spend a lot of time in church praying, even when they didn't have mass and just the the enemy was just pulling me to go to Trader Joe's and get corn tortillas. It was a battle. The devil wanted to pull me away from the things of God. And sometimes you feel that battle stronger than at other times, but no matter what, you have to keep pushing through. And I think I do have that mentality where I just push through that the enemy cannot defeat me in Jesus name. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. So I did experience just great trauma and great battles at such a young age.
0: Mm. You know, I, it's, it's interesting because um, for me, like a, a number of years ago, uh, well, not as many years ago. Actually, let's say a few years ago, um, I was going through something that was really, really difficult and challenging for me. And I was uh, you know, loving the Lord and in ministry and everything, but um, I was depressed, and I and I didn't I didn't realize that I was depressed. Um, but what I was doing was I was living a, at a point in my life where, because of what was going on, I had so much fear, to the point that. I would wake up in the morning and before like instantly, like I'd wake up before my eyes were even open. So just like the instantaneous feeling of I'm awake, all of like immediately fear just gripped my heart of like what I have had to face for the day. Um and it was such a it was just such an attack of the enemy. And uh, but it was that's what was going on. It it was going on for probably probably a, a few months. Um it got to the point that I started to be afraid. That I would uh, like, I was gonna have a heart attack while I was sleeping because because I would just toss and turn throughout the night and I would just just feel like just so overwhelmed by stuff. And um, while that was going on, I wouldn't have called it at the time depression, but uh, you know, after having gone through it and looking back on it, and one of the things that I did in that season was I gained like a ton of weight <laughs> because I did the same thing. I, it's just like uh, for me, I'll sleep and I'll eat. Um, you know people deal with we all deal with things in a different way you know sometimes we deal with pressure we deal with you know challenges in life by not eating some people deal with them by not sleeping some people deal with them by I, I go the opposite direction and I i try to sleep more <laughs> and I try to uh, and I just I just want to eat it's like that it's like that escape and um, that was through that season I definitely became conscious of of that, you know, of, of that area of my life of, you know, weakness or that area where the enemy's able to, you know, kind of get in and and uh, and mess with my mind if if I'm not careful. So I definitely learned a lot through that season, you know, coming out of that season. But um but yeah. So anyway, I just kind of resonating yeah. with you. With no, you I
1: I think too is that I also did experience, I call it a spirit of depression. I mean, I know my dad suffered from it. But literally, I feel like it's a demonic spirit. Even I would minister, you know, I pray for people, lay hands on people. And then the next morning, it was like all these voices in my head, like everything negative, all these fiery darts. You know, you look terrible. You know, nobody got Mm. ministered to. uh, You didn't do it right. And and you're making the wrong decisions and, and like a spirit of confusion. And I was like, you know, these voices need to stop. Thank uh-huh but it was an attack of the enemy because I had just served God. I was doing the work of the Lord and the enemy comes immediately to steal the word that's been planted in your heart. He comes immediately to put up those roadblocks and those barriers. I mean, there was a point where I would minister and then I'd be like on my guard, you know, how is the enemy going to try to attack me? And it's sometimes through people saying things to, to you or making comments where they don't even know that they're negative comments or they would hurt you, but they really do hurt you. So I would just say, oh, this is the enemy. I recognize it as the enemy and I just rebuke it in Jesus name. I know this is my religious persecution because I'm serving God. So I do, I'm on my guard. I don't expect it, but I know that there's going to be some attack of the enemy because I'm breaking through. In the spirit. You're entering into the spirit realm. You're doing something great for God. You're saving people's lives for all eternity. People are getting strength from God so that they can be successful in their lives, so that they can go forward, so that they don't end up committing suicide. I remember somebody, um, I don't know, it was through my ministry, something they called me from Newfoundland. And I have never seen a spirit of suicide on a person like this person. It was just like she was calling me, and she was running, and she was saying, "Gemma, all I want to do is jump off this bridge. All I want to do is jump off this bridge." I mean, it was just constant, constant, constant. And then wow. I would, we would even like text, and I would put like crosses, and it's like the the devil hates you. He doesn't want you to to, to um, recite the word of God. He, he hates the cross. He hates it. And I would just, you know, do warfare. And I would just have that deep travail where you're just really, you know, Jesus groaned in the spirit. And I really believe it was like that deep travail where you're breaking through, you're breaking through that demonic yeah. oppression, that spirit realm. And it was about, you know, five or six times. I prayed with her really strong prayers and, you know, to this day, she did not commit suicide. Her little girl has a mother and she has a brand new baby. And I truly wow. believe yeah. because so many of her friends did commit suicide. They were so into witchcraft, so into that Mm. darkness, so under that bondage. But it's a spiritual battle. My dad would always say, you know, you tell a child to be good, you know, try harder, try harder, and they're still not good. You can't do it on your own power. You need the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need his power. So a lot of people who have had a lot of what the world would call success, maybe in childhood, everything like that, they take all of that for granted but somebody like me who only had the power of God and was relying on him realized how everything was a miracle because everything was a battle so um yeah so God um continued to open doors for me. Um, I was on like TBN like 12 times. My mom was on TBN. I preached at the Hollywood Bowl, Easter sunrise service. Benny Hinn was there. Um, Vern Jackson, just um, Jeff Fenhold. So all of the biggies. And I remember, uh, so I got up there and preached. They gave me three minutes. And then afterward, we all went out to eat And I remember sitting right across from Jan Crouch, and I'm the kind of person that I just respond to like compliments, you know, like somebody loving me, like I feel somebody's spirit if they're loving or if they're self-centered. And she didn't say anything to me. But at the end of the, it was like brunch, she she came over, she gave me a big hug, and she said, beautiful. And that's all she said. And it was like, that was just so healing for me because it's like I needed that reassurance. I needed that affirmation that somebody got blessed, that somebody liked me. So um, then after that, you know, I sang down. It was a Trinity Christian church. I sang for 13 years in their choir with Rose Lawson. Um, You know, prior to that, I started my own ministry ministry. Uh, Monday nights and Friday nights. I think then it was like Tuesday nights and Friday nights. And you know, I would just want to spend time with God and spend hours in prayer. And my mom would be like, your your meetings are too long. You need to cut them short. I was like, no, no, no. We got to pray more. We got to seek God more. But I didn't realize maybe I had more of a hunger and a desire to spend time with God than other people did, but also they had to get home. I'm sure they had kids and you got to go to work and everything like that. But I just really, I think I was at this place where I was under such attack that it was almost like the enemy pushed me into the things of God and going to church and ministry because I wouldn't have survived without the power of God, without feeling the presence of God. When I would go to church, I would need to feel change. There needed to be a certain amount of God's presence and a move of the spirit, or else I just just didn't feel like I got touched by God, like I got enough of God, like my cup was filled up. And so um, I think, I remember at a very young age, there was a lady, that my parents hired to help them to work for them to clean the house um to also take care of the kids and she was a prophet and she she would say to me Gemma you know it's so good when you pray you're listening for God's voice you're listening for God to say something and then you say it so at a young age she was teaching me about being a prophet and hearing the voice of God she had a very difficult childhood Sexual abuse, everything like that. But I remember that when things were very difficult, I would call her and we would pray. And I remember saying to myself, you know, I would not be pressing into God if I didn't have all these issues going on. You know, I'm in such a desperate place that it's pushing me into a deeper place in God. And I just honestly have to say, God brought healing, God brought deliverance. I have no issues with food. I, 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 you know, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ has conquered food in my life. It doesn't have control over me, but mm-hmm. it's only the power of God. And yeah. then, go on.
0: No, no, I was just agreeing with you. Uh, but but I do think that, you know, like you said, I mean, there's there's always going to be attacks. I mean, the, the more you go after God, the more, you know, the enemy is going to attack. But I think, like you're saying, when you just keep your focus on Jesus, you know, we we don't have to be devil focus we don't have to be you know like focused on that kind of stuff the more we just keep our attention on jesus I, I love what what david says in psalm 23 he says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and it's this idea that god has given you everything that you need to triumph and to have the victory no matter how strong the attack is no matter what's going on to the point that you know we get to operate from a place of peace and rest Even when, you know, if all hell's breaking loose around you, you still have the authority as a believer, as a child of God to stand in that place of peace and rest where God actually wants you to still, you know, you've got that table prepared before you so the enemy can actually see you enjoying God. Because I I think I think the greatest power that we have that can never be taken away from us is our ability to worship God. It's our right as as sons and daughters of God to stand in that place of worship, that place of agreement with Him, and when we declare who He is, um, the enemy hates it. The enemy hates it. He doesn't like to be in that environment, you know. And so, um, whenever you know we all go through stuff, we all go through difficulties. Sometimes the attacks get so intense, but like you said, you know, I think I think the enemy overplays his hand often. And he'll do, and he'll try to make himself look so, you know, whatever he tries to do, all his lies and deception, whatever. But if we allow it, like you said, to push us toward God, God is so much bigger. God is so much stronger. We already have the victory in Christ because he's already done it for us, you know? And so just standing in that place where I'm more focused on you, God in the midst of what's going on around me, I'm not going to be devil focused. I'm not going to be sin focused. I'm not going to be condemnation focused. I'm going to be focused on you. Um, and that's where, you know, that's where freedom is. That's where freedom comes from.
1: Definitely. I mean, the Lord showed me the greatest tool for warfare is worshiping God, being Mm -hmm. in the presence of the Lord, reading the word, praying, I mean, the devil cannot stay in that atmosphere. That is truly um, the place where you need to be. I know there's a lot of ministries that are devil focused, and I think the devil runs rampant and he has greater control in those ministries. It has to be uh, warfare has to be done in the environment and climate and culture of praise and worship and the presence of the Lord and bringing down his glory. You know, I did wanna say something that's just really interesting is that, so here I am like eating health food, praying, reading the word, you know, not sinning, doing everything right as a child. And all of a sudden, like I would get, like all of a sudden I got like this cyst on my head. It was just a, a benign topical cyst. And mm-hmm. so I was like, well, you have to, you know, you have to believe God. You have to have faith in God because you don't have to go to the doctor because God is going to heal you. That was what I'm thinking. You know, you pray, you you do spiritual warfare, you break that spirit of infirmity. Jesus rebuked the spirit of infirmity. And so the thing was, was all of a sudden I got this cyst and, and people would lay hands on me. They'd be like, what is that? And I go, it's a cyst, it's okay, don't worry. You know, Jesus is healing it. Well, one morning, all of a sudden, the cyst changed. And I went, oh my gosh. And it was like, it was like fluid was inside, like between my skull and my skin. And I went, oh my goodness. And I was crying out to God, you know, and I was in pain. And I knew that it was the mm. cyst issue. And I cried out to God. And God showed me like a blister, if you had a blister, wouldn't you go and maybe like pop it and clean it and put a bandaid on it? I mean, wouldn't you do that? And so then the Lord showed me the same thing is that you have this issue here and like my skin was like thin as paper you know, you need to go to the doctor. So this was God telling somebody Mm. who felt like you really didn't need to go to the doctor that it's health food and prayer and your faith alone, you know, and only those things will heal you. But this is Gemma now going to the doctor. And it's Gemma just lying on there where they say, look, you have a benign cyst, it has a core, it, it grew, and it's um, very um, just routine that they will burst. And it has burst and we need to you know cut it and we need to drain it. And at that point, as they did that, I was so grateful to God for modern mm-hmm. medicine. I was grateful that they could do this, that they had the tools, that they were sterilized, that they had the knowledge to know what was going on in my body because I had no idea. And so then I think literally they took out like a half a cup of fluid. And so then he said, Gemma, you know, it's going to come back because you didn't get the core out. But when you when it comes back, you go to your doctor and you have them remove it. And you know what? that's what I did. I went to my doctor. Mm -hmm. She said it was deeper than she thought it would be, but she removed it and it never came back again. So that was God saying to Gemma, you need the doctors. My sister's a medical doctor. So obviously we were in a little bit of a conflict, you know, (laughs) as uh, (laughs) you know, um, And I would have been a doctor, except I get sick at the sight of blood. And then I, the only time I've ever fainted was in a hospital. And then I'm not real big on, you know, medication and stuff. But I know that you have to ask the Lord and get his wisdom and his guidance and
0: his direction. And
1: then, yeah. And then, um One time, I mean, this is somebody who's like eating health food and praying and doing everything right as a child. One time, um, you know, I had my teaching credentials. So I was a substitute teacher. I went into this very affluent classroom and they were telling me, oh, uh, there were like eight kids absent because they all had chicken pox. I was not even thinking and I had never had chicken pox. Well, a week later, Uh I come up with chicken pox and I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm like crying and it was me. I didn't ever want to go to the doctor call up my sister, you know, what's going on? Jemmy, you have chicken pox. So I prayed to God and the chicken pox disappeared. I prayed because it was a relatively lighter case and I didn't have any scarring or anything like that. And I prayed to God, but what happened was all of a sudden I got an abscess on the base of my spine. And I don't know if anybody has ever had an abscess. It is like one of the most painful things you can ever Mm -hmm. go through. And the pain is really hard to describe. So I said to my sister, Well, what do I do? And she said, Well, you can go to the doctor and they'll lance it and it'll take a longer time to heal. And I said, Well, what if I don't go to the doctor? Because, you know, I was like, Not a doctor person. She said, It will actually it will actually drain on its own. And I was grateful for her wisdom. I was grateful for her knowledge. And I chose to let it drain on its own. And I was okay. And I think maybe I was really run down. I wasn't, even in my, like my health food diet, I was eating this like really limited diet. I don't think I was getting quite... what i needed as far as feeling full but pretty soon it came back and i just was crying and this was somebody who never ever took any type of medication and my mom was like do you want some dristan i did not think they make dristan anymore i said i'll take it and i took it and like it helped so much that's like the only time i took medication in my life because i was in excruciating pain and so then that one went away and then all of a sudden i'm ministering in juvenile hall and I feel it coming back. And I said to this, the little my partner, I said, I can't take it. I can't take it coming back one more time. Please pray mm. for me. I can't take it. Yeah. And so um, she started praying for me, and she said, and that thing is never going to come back again. And when she said that, I felt the power of God. And I felt a quickening and I felt like it was revelation and I felt she was speaking what was going to happen. And, you know, after that, it never has come back again, Mm. but God allowed me to go through all that. And the point was I was doing everything that I could do and I still had, you know, this illness. I still had this infirmity in my flesh.
0: Oh, wow, it's incredible. God... <laughs> this is this is uh this is not where I foresaw this conversation going, but it's <laughs> but it's, it's so interesting and it's so true. Like, so this is this is on a lesser scale, but I uh, I had this experience one time where it just where God illustrated the kind of thing that you're talking about to me so well. I was um, I used to work. This is years back. I used to work in a restaurant, and uh, and I used to suffer. And I, I don't uh, have them. Hardly at all anymore. Randomly I'll have a day where I get some allergy symptoms, but I used to have allergies like really bad, like every August, September, they'd hit me like really, really hard. But for years now, it it I just I haven't. Um, but I used to get them. And so there was this day where um I was going to work and I had forgotten to take like my allergy medicine. And uh, I was at work and I well, I was getting out of the car going into work and I realized I didn't take my allergy medicine and they were bad that day. Like And it was hard you know working in a restaurant where you're serving people you don't want to be like constantly like you know wiping your nose and sneezing and stuff like that like itchy watery eyes and you know what i mean so i uh that's what was going on and so i'm walking and i'm like basically getting out of my car i'm like god i forgot my medicine like i forgot i forgot to take the allergy medicine and so i i heard god speak to me immediately and it was very clear and he just and he just said um don't worry about it. I've got you covered today. Just take your medicine tomorrow. That's what God said to me. And I was like, okay, I walked into work. And by the time I got into the building from my car to the building, like cleared up, everything was great. I had a great shift, no allergies, no problems. So here's the thing though. So praise God for that, right? The next day, um, I got religious about it. And I said, well, God was, God took care of me yesterday. So I'm good. I don't need to take allergy medicine today and so i went to work that day and expecting that i was going to feel fine and allergies hit me with a vengeance so <laughs> and then god spoke to me afterward i was like what's up god and he and he spoke to me and he showed me that i um you know when you respond to the word of the lord when you respond to what god has said what god said is always going to come to pass right and so the first day he was like I've got you covered. Don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. And so I stood on that word and like went in, had a great shift, no allergy problems. The next day I was trying to stand on a word that was from yesterday, but not for that day. And God had already told me, take your medicine tomorrow. And so me being like, you know, like religious about it, I I say, you know, super spiritual, whatever. I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm good. I don't need the medicine. I don't need that. God is good. I'm, I'm going to be good. But that wasn't what God was saying for that day. It was what he said for the day before. So just learning to to respond to what God is actually saying, what God is actually doing. Um, It illustrated that so well for me, you know, in my life of, um, of recognizing, okay, if God tells you, you know, God will, God will supernaturally, supernaturally heal us. He is our healer. I believe in healing. You know, I see healing and miracles all the time, but I've also seen God do amazing things through doctors and, you know, through, through medicine and through like walking through a process and all of that too. So, um, you know, I I, uh, I just appreciated, you know, what you were talking about there.
1: Yeah, I think the key is sensitivity to the spirit,
0: exactly, obedience.
1: Yeah. How yeah. is God working? God could have just miraculously healed that cyst, but he didn't. He told me to go to the doctor. I heard the voice of the Lord, and if I didn't go to the doctor, I knew that I would be Disobedient, And also yeah. I knew that I experienced all these things because I know that I do have a healing ministry that I've seen the supernatural healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, for a long time, I suffered from an it was called an Epstein Barr virus. And it was the chronic kind and it was like debilitating, but through it all I kept pushing through, pushing through, pushing through. And I'd always say, like, if you go to you know Google and put it in, whatever they describe there. Is like nothing like what I had. I had like Mm. the major, you know, on steroids version. And it was all I could do to keep on going um, by the strength and the power of the Lord to minister, to do the television shows, to even go to work. And my sister, who's a doctor, I said, Look, this is what's going on. And she's like, Yeah. She goes, Well, we can get you a support group. I said, Lisa, I don't want a support group. I want to be healed. She says, there's nothing nothing we can do. And it's a blessing when man can't do anything because your faith and your trust is in God. Man does not have a pill uh, to help you. Uh, only God can, can heal you. And after quite a long time of just great suffering, I mean, it was to such an extent where you would feel this overall feeling of sickness where it would bring you to tears. And here's this person eating healthy, Praying, reading the Bible, doing the right thing, not sinning, ministering. I mean, just there was, I couldn't do any more than I was doing or be any more obedient. And all of a sudden, you know, I get this illness just out of the blue. But after quite an extended period of time, I felt something different in my body my body felt different. I felt like the woman with the issue of blood that she felt in herself that she was healed. And at that point, the interesting thing is that's when I went to the doctor and I said, can you um, test me for Epstein-Barr virus? She's like, well, okay. And it came back that I had antibodies against the virus and I had no active infection whatsoever in my body. And God Mm healed me. But that was the first time in many, many, many years that I started to feel good. And it's, you know, even been kind of, um, consistently, my body has just gotten stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And, you know, um, I even was blessed, I you know, I was having trouble exercising, so I got like a trainer. And in the past when I would work out, I would really feel it in my body. But now I work out and I feel great, I feel God's strength. So I know compared to the way I used to be, to the way I'm now, it, it, it's just a miracle. But it was really me saying, I don't want a support group. I want to be healed in the name of Jesus and turning to the Lord. And just knowing when you've done everything you can do, but you're still sick, you're still in that position. You just stand in faith, you endure, you persevere. You have a grateful, joyful heart because these battles are so difficult that they would turn your heart against God. But if you Mm -hmm. overcome that temptation, to get angry with God or put that wall up or or get bitter because it's taking so long or you didn't get what you felt God had told you you were going to get or or you know that prophecy wasn't fulfilled the way you thought God was going to do it right. you just humble yourself as that little child and trust him because you serve an Abba Father an Abba Daddy who loves you so very much and I trust him when I had to go through years and years of suffering, whether it was abuse or sickness or, or doors being shut or doors that should have been opened and weren't opened or, or God raising up other people when I had worked just as hard. So it really was such a blessing. We talked about the International Christian Film and Music Festival in Orlando, Florida. And I was able to interview the um, president. And I said to him, I said, I mean, you're just bold about about being Christian. And he said, yeah, look at the name. It's the international Christian film and music festival. We are not ashamed, but when I did get those four nominations, I just was so grateful to be acknowledged, you know, for somebody to say, Hey, your work, your work is good. You're doing a great job. And so that was a blessing. But the funny thing with my, um, Jim Warner's Hollywood is that I never identified with celebrities. I always identified with the poor and the needy because the Lord said, When you go into the prison, it's just like visiting me. When you go into the hospital and you help the sick and you clothe the naked, it's just like doing it to me. So I wanted to go visit Jesus. So that's why I was in all those places. But my mom, who was very much Hollywood, She would get me in all of these events, and then I would have to interview on the red carpet. And I was very shy. Very fearful, um, very fearful of rejection or being turned down. I just, you know, took everything really personally. But my mom was there and she would grab these big celebrities and pull them over to me and I would get these interviews. So when I couldn't do it, I mean, like John Boyd or Chevy Chase or Jane Seymour, it just, you know, went on and on and i couldn't have done it on my own but god used my mom to help me and so once the door was opened i had the gift of you know interviewing and I think what makes a good interviewer is that I'm not there to promote myself. I'm there to promote these people and see what they have to say. Like I'm going to interject, yeah, of course, right. you got to do that. Right. But really my heart is to highlight them and hear what they have to say. So um, that was, that was Gemma Winger's Hollywood. And that's how I came up with Gemma Winger's Hollywood, as well as Beauty for Ashes and Beauty for Ashes is is more just the word of God, preaching, praise and worship, and then really strong um, interviews highlighting uh, men and women of faith. And, you know, there was a point where I'm doing two shows, two openings, two closings. So then I put them all together and then I separated them, you know, so okay. it was just, yeah. you know, it's, it's a process, but I remember when um it's really interesting i remember when um there was a pastor visiting and all of a sudden we were talking about Jim wingers hollywood and i was saying I, I want like this red carpet interview show and i don't want know what to name it and we had really just prayed and had all these names and all of a sudden this pastor was like i think it's Jim wingers hollywood I think it's Jim Williams, Hollywood. And I go, that's it, that's it. And you know, since then I'd say, oh, that's a dumb name, but I just go, no, God named it, God named it. And that's the name that the Lord wants. And I remember when I first started my radio show many years ago, I was like, God, what should I name it? What should I name it? And the funny thing was I wasn't going to Supercuts, but for some reason I was driving into their parking lot and God just dropped in my spirit, Heart of God, heart of God, and I heard it, and to this day I know that I heard His voice. So, mm. just knowing that God is faithful, God opens doors, and even one other interesting thing is um, Ted Bear from Movie Guide Awards. Um, he watched um, my interviews, and I did a lot of interviewing on his red carpet, and it was Louis Gossett Jr. And he said, you know, out of all the interviewers, you are the only one who um, asked Louis questions where he talked about the Lord and he talked about his faith. So okay. I think it's the favor of God. Yeah. Just, you know, maybe my spirit, maybe I'm, um, you know, just have have a sweet spirit and people can feel it. And that's why they do open up to mm-hmm. me in the interviews. But again, it's, it's the yeah. favor of God. It wasn't my idea. It was God's idea. And I just really did it to be obedient
0: Mm -hmm. well yeah i so just just to um because i I know we're 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 already over an hour here um i wanted to just say so the two television shows are gemma wingers hollywood and beauty for ashes and gemma wingers hollywood uh that's the uh, basically red carpet interview type of a format and i uh that was i think the first thing that i saw from you Um, as far as like I don't know if it was on your YouTube channel or exactly where it was that I came across it, but it was kind of what led me to reach out to you in the first place. I I saw what you were doing and I and I just uh I was I was just very interested and I thought right from the beginning that you were really just an excellent interviewer. Um, I know you've been doing this, you know, I know you've been doing it in different capacities for a long time, but uh so you're seasoned in, in terms of um, you know, doing having done a lot of interviews and things like that. But but I really did feel that like what you were just talking about, that there is a, a warm a warmness, a genuineness that did allow people to open up to you. I remember watching an interview where you were uh, talking with James Kahn and I'm a I'm a huge fan of Ed Asner. Yeah, I'm um, a huge fan of and uh, and I, I love him. He's so funny to me and um just his personality is great and uh and i i just i i really enjoyed that and i've i've just seen you chatting with people and asking questions and asking good questions and and um you know there there definitely is something there i'm like yeah she like she's a really she's a really good interviewer um no, thank but you so much, i i uh yeah i i think uh i think it's so cool i think it's so cool how your mom helped to sort of like get you into some places and get some doors open and and then, uh, you know, eventually you, you develop that, that confidence to just go ahead and do it yourself. One of the questions that I had for you, I was just curious, when you go to those like red carpet events, um, do you know in advance who at this point, I know back then it probably wasn't like this, but um, do you know in advance who you're going to talk to or is it just very much you just grab who you can and you're interviewing them in the moment? Like, Are you able to prep for those interviews or do you not really know 100% who you're going to be interviewing so it just kind of happens as it happens?
1: Um, You really don't know who's going to be there. You don't know who you're going to interview. Sometimes you don't even recognize half the people and people have Mm. to tell you. But I do try to lead it as far as like how has faith played a role in your life Or, you know, how do you stay rooted and grounded? And so, based on those answers, you can determine if you can go further as far as the Lord and discuss the Lord or if really they're maybe more new age or on a different page, you can talk about you know um, what obstacles have you had to overcome because that's just so important that people need to see that these successful people have overcome obstacles to get where they are. So there's a few general questions that you can just ask mm-hmm. of anybody.
0: You yeah, know, there's people
1: where, you know, like, hey, I don't want to interview them because I know what they stand for.
0: You know? I got you. <laughs> Has there ever been anyone that you interviewed that for you it was just like impactful or maybe even a fan moment or someone that you were particularly excited to interview?
1: I would say Terry Moore. She received a nomination for an Academy Award in 1956 for Come Back, Little Sheba, and she was married to the richest man in the world, Howard Hughes, but she mm. talked about how her mom would give her 10 cents, and candies were five cents each, and she wanted two pieces of candy for 10 cents, but she knew that she had to tithe So she gave one penny away, and that meant that she could only have one piece of candy. And just that was a sacrifice for her as a child, that she put God first. She denied herself. She didn't get that candy. But at the same time, look how God... Has blessed her she has such a beautiful heart and it was roll after roll after roll and just stories with james dean and she was telling me about Marilyn Monroe and and kind of where she stood as far as faith and her background and she was just friends with debbie reynolds and um, just all, uh, tyrone powers and um, it just went on and on and on so her stories were truly amazing because she was in that area And even now, you know, she's filming, she's doing movies. Um, She actually had something that was going on and literally somebody kind of just like she brought somebody on and then they just took it from her because they wanted to glorify themselves and they kind of pushed her out. And I could kind of relate to that because there's a lot of people who you do nice things for and you want good for them. And literally they'll betray you and, and push you out like a Judas spirit. So she really, really was a light, just a sweetheart. And it was just an honor to interview her.
0: Wow. That's so cool. I could tell you that happens in churches a lot for sure. You know, <laughs> happens in ministry a lot where you build something up and then somebody comes and tries to take it. But, but anyway, that's not, we don't need to get into no,
1: that. No, no, no. That actually happened to me. I was a youth minister. I brought in the pastor and all of a sudden he wanted to bring in a new youth minister.
0: Yeah, I see it all <laughs> the time, all the time. You know, the other thing that I see happen, too, is, yeah, like as a maybe as a youth ministry or as a a ministry in the church that, you know, God just gives you grace and you build it up to a certain point. And then the pastor or another leader there decides that they want to take it over now that you've done all this work and you've built it up and you've brought people in. Now they want to take it over, like all of a sudden, you know, it's pretty convenient. but. I digress.
1: Yeah, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's that yeah. Judas spirit. It's that spirit of betrayal. And Jesus yeah. went through it, but it was for his greater good, greater glory for all mankind. So God will bring something good out of it. But you, you I think you can see that discernment. Like once you've experienced mm-hmm. that Judas spirit, then you can kind of see it like those people aren't for me like they were before. So mm-hmm. sometimes you discern it and sometimes it just comes out of left field and just blinds you
0: that yeah right um, yeah. Yeah.
1: oh yeah oh yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong I mean I, I love I'm a pastor I know you're a pastor I love the church mm-hmm. I, I believe in the local church I believe you know I don't think we should forsake the assembling of ourselves together just because we have those issues and those challenges you know I think that that ministry just like everything else you know it can be messy you know when you're living with people people are imperfect and all of that but I um I really do you know, I, I think that so much, so often it's so easy. It's so much easier to not fellowship. It's so much easier. It'd be so much easier for us. Like even with this last year with the pandemic, like so many of us, we got to we got permission to like stay home and whatever. But I think that, uh, I don't know. I think, I think so often it'd be so much easier to make the choice to just kind of stay outside and people say, well, I can just worship the Lord on my own and all this stuff. But but we just we do need each other, you know. We we need one another. We need that um, those relationships and and uh, people that are you know like-minded of precious like faith, and we build each other up, you know. And I think that um, God's just God is moved. I think that the heart of God is is moved by that, and He's honored when we make the sacrifice that we don't need to make just for the sake of being with. His people, just for the sake of being together and fellowshipping, and and having you know building relationship when you know the convenient thing so often would be to separate yourself or to stay home. Or I don't know why I brought that up, but
1: (laughs) yeah, even to allow offense to get in the way because if God is if God's telling you to go to church, and you could say, "Oh, I'll just stay home and pray," but. The anointing is there at church because that's where God wants you. So the enemy is going to try to stop you. So you have to be obedient and you have to forgive people. And the blessing is going to be greater. The glory is going to be greater. God sees how hard that was for you. God sees that that wounded you, that that really was a a blow below the belt. And God sees that and God's going to make it up to you. If you act appropriately, if you forgive, if you bless and don't curse, God is going to open doors for you, you know, that that are just amazing that you could not have even imagined because he sees your heart. And favor Amen. with God is what you want, not favor with man. Yeah. I mean, one time I introduced uh, two people and I was working for one and the one lady pushed me out so she could have the job and the, the money and everything. And I was just shocked because I had introduced them. I had put them together. And, yeah. Um you know, one time there was an issue with a general contractor and this person who was a Christian, I prayed with her for nine years. And all of a sudden she wrote a letter against me. I ended up winning in mediation because I was telling the truth and I had proof. But out of the blue, she just believed a non-Christian who was lying. And it was just like, wow, you know, I've served yeah. God all my life. I've only told the truth. And this guy is a non-Christian. And, and is just the, the biggest liar ever. So anyway, I did win the lawsuit. God showed me grace and mercy. But it's hard when people lie about you and they actually say lies about you. And there's a whole group of people who believe those lies. And especially if that person is influential, then all those friends turn against you. And then the enemy tries to sever those relationships. So relationship is so important in the body of Christ. It's so yes. important to be in a good church, to have close friendships. And sometimes you may find yourself where you don't have those friendships, but know that you have the Lord and he will take care of you and he is your best friend.
0: So good, love that. Well, Gemma, I really appreciate you. Thanks for your time. Thank you for being here. Before we, before we wrap it up though, um, where can we point some people to? I know I have your, for anybody watching this, I know we have some folks listening that are not watching. But uh, uh, GemmaWenger.com is up on the screen. Um, So that's G-E-M-M-A-W-E-N-G-E-R.com. So I know we have your website where people can go to find out about your television shows and the YouTube channel and the radio show and all of that. But uh, is is there anywhere else that you would uh, point people to where they can maybe uh, follow you or find more resources?
1: Well, I do have a weekly radio show on Salem Broadcasting. It comes on every Saturday evening at 11 o'clock p.m. So it's live streaming at kkla.com and then on the radio 99.5 FM. Also, every Thursday morning, I'm on KXLA, which is uh, Direct TV and Dish and cable. My television shows come on at 6.30 a.m., pacific standard time and um so it's basically six thirty to 7 o'clock so um yeah and i have meetings on monday nights and friday nights and um, you know facebook instagram twitter linkedin everything the usual but um yeah get in touch with me i'd love to pray for you and uh, Thank you, Duke, for having me. This has just been such a blessing, such an honor. I just uh, appreciate your work. I've seen some other interviews that you've done with some people that I know. And and you just have such a a great heart. So um, God bless you and your family and your ministry. And I just pray for increase and abundance like never before.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And again, thank you. I really do really appreciate you. I appreciate you, you know, carving out a good chunk of time to, to be here with me and to do this. And um, again, I, I feel like uh, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely watch some more of your interviews. I've, I've watched several of them, but I'm going to keep watching them because I, I really do feel like I've got um, a lot that I can learn from you. I, I do love the way that you interact with people. I'm kind of new here still at this whole interview thing. And uh, I, I just, I, uh, I definitely appreciate the work that you've done, the work that you're doing um, in Hollywood, in LA, but the impact that it's having around the world and um, how you're spreading the message of the love of Jesus Christ and um, just putting it out there different different ways through the different uh, television shows, the media, um, but also how the Lord is just um, using you and how he has used you throughout your life. We were talking about how, you know there's been different seasons where you've worked in different capacities where you you know you went through that season where you were spending like four days a week in the prisons and where you were spending lots of time you know out on the on the street just talking to people and ministering to the homeless and ministering you, you told me that you did uh, used to do a whole bunch of ministry out on skid row and uh you know this the, the shifting of seasons right and something that i'm just really um that i've just been really impressed by and and blessed by is your how should i say this your your just willingness to follow the lord your willingness to follow the the holy spirit wherever he's leading you you know and being willing to to serve being willing to just serve to not make it about you but to serve others in whatever way that he's opening that door for you to be there in that time in that season and how through that, the Lord is just impacting people all around the world through your ministry. So again, it's a blessing for me. It's an honor for me as well. So thank you so much. Really appreciate you again. Thank you for your time. And uh, yeah, look forward to connecting with you further in the future.
1: Yes, I know our paths will cross again. God bless you, Duke. Thank you.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you, everybody, for taking the time to check out this episode. If it blessed you or added any value to your day, to your life, I'd love to hear from you, I'd love to know if you have any questions or comments or anything like that, Uh, but also if you'd consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, really, really appreciate all of that as well, so thank you guys, have an awesome day, see you next time.